0: Are we on? You guys hear me all right? Wow, that thing's right, in my eyes. Can I bring this down? Is that all right? Is that kind of weird? The Kobe's don't care. They're they're like family. So if I spit on them, you guys have a plastic tarp for these guys. So, okay, good. There you go. Yeah, the wipes. Yeah, yeah. So, my name's Sean. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, 19 years ago, um, felt God call me to this wonderful community from the Bay Area in california and uh served at price chapel for uh six years and uh and then the lord moved us up to the the salt lake area and draper if you guys know where that lehigh draper was there and then now i'm up in um i'm at a church called alpine church and um, i'm up in syracuse utah so it's not just syracuse new york there is a syracuse utah this like most people don't aren't aware there's a cleveland utah most people don't realize that and they're all what? Ohio? No, there's a Cleveland, Utah. And I just learned I went to the, the dinosaur quarry out there um for the first time and, and I didn't know Cleveland is one of the more internationally recognized cities in um the world. Uh, in, in Utah. Like it's it's one of the most known if you n- paleontology and digging up stuff. So I was like, oh wow, well that that would that made it worth it. <laughs> uh, swatting away the flies, there's so many flies, I'm like, I need some yeah, I need a bug zapper around me. So anyways, um uh, it's just great to see uh, Nick Teenie. Uh, seeing him, he uh, when I was a youth pastor, I'd go to Mont Harmon, and I would uh, see some of the kids, and he was uh, one of the kids who uh, the, the peanut gallery is what I call them. That's the sanitized version of what I call them, but they'd make fun of me, and I'm like, I'm too old to make fun of you guys. Can't do this to me, and uh, they'd call me Cletus if you guys know uh, the the Simpsons. Is it? And I don't, I didn't know who Cletus was, and I still don't. But uh, it was. <laughs> It wasn't necessarily a uh, hey, we love you. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> it's still we calling him Nick. But did people call you Teeny still or? No, no, we know. Okay, so <laughs> I, I was like, am I allowed to say that in church? Call you Teeny, but er, I never knew. No one called him Nick. Everyone called him Teeny. So anyways, um, well anyways, I know you guys are in the the, the song, but anyway, t- great to see you, Nick Teeny, doing well and. Some of you guys, uh, I've known you for a lot of years and love you guys. And um, for those of you who don't know me, you're, you're blessed. Uh, be thankful uh, you don't have the burden of having to know me. But uh, um, we're g- I, I'm interrupting uh, Psalms to go through Zephaniah. We're g- it's a, it's a minor, one of the minor prophets during the, uh, the age of King Josiah. And we're, we're going we're to be in there. And um, we're going to look at a, a slow, gradual slide that God's people were on. That where God had to really come and be forceful to get them back into order. And when I was preparing this sermon, it, I was reminded of my grandpa. My grandpa, um, Grandpa Frank, Frank Meek, um, he was from Minnesota. He didn't have the accent, but right at a, right, uh, he, it was during World War II was happening when he was about 16, 17 years old. And he lied and got lied about his age. Got into the navy, served in World War II on the um, the Pacific. Then he served, and the navy served in um, the Korean War as well. Some of you are like, "What are those things?" It really happened. And he was a proud Navy man, um, and is full full blood Scottish. And uh, he was just a proud guy, and and I loved him. He was a boxer. He was a professional gambler when the Navy. They, they, they would, they would um, they'd wager and, and gamble with cigarettes, and he was never short of his cigarettes. Uh, and um, I, I, I loved him. He, he was a really, really a, a cheap, would be really a, a kind way of t- saying what he was. He would drink this beer, and it was like, he goes, son, this tastes like garbage, but it's 75 cents for a six-pack. So just how cheap it was that made the beer taste good for him. I don't know if any of you guys are like that, but that's... <laughs> That was my grandpa. It was Maestro Brau, what he used to drink. I don't know if it ever, I hope it never came. I hope it never came here to price. <laughs> but I'm, I remember thinking, man, they went out of business. It was so terrible. But uh, yeah, I remember talking to another old guy, older guy. He's like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, you had problems with my, like my grandpa did. But it was this it, it was just, it was just so cheap. This is like garbage, but it's like drinking uh, radiator fluid. But he he uh, he loved it. So I remember, uh <coughs> He was a proud Navy guy. He did not like being corrected by anyone, let alone his grandson. And what I saw with him was a gradual losing of his hearing and his sight. And it was, it was crazy. He was, again, he loved to save money and he had a cabin in Santa Cruz, California. It's right on the coast of California. Beautiful little beach town. That's where I was born. And he had a cabin there and he was, ma- I me- remember I told you he was cheap. So when I was a teenager, he lived right off the San Lorenzo River, that, which flows into the Pacific Ocean. And it would flood sometimes. And so he wanted to save money. And so he hired me and as a teenager and I, I dug trenches. His, his back patio was like 20 feet away from the river, and the river sometimes would, would, would and, um, get, get bigger and would come into the basement and flood it. So he hired me to do that. And he would take me out to these really great restaurants like Denny's. I just thought I hit, I hit the lottery. I was so excited. going go to Denny's, and I was like, I didn't know any better at that time that that's not the greatest place. And so if you guys love Denny's, I'm sorry. I just, I can't, I can't jive with that. And one time we were, we were g- coming home at night, <coughs> and he took a left-hand turn but he kept taking, so he's going, and, and he kept on taking this left-hand turn until he was going on the other side of the road. And again, this is my grandpa, and like, he would knock me out if he could. And I'm like, so I was like, hey, Grandpa, we're not in England, and so uh, we need to be on the other side of the road. And He didn't really hear, and he couldn't really hear me that well. And then I'm like, I finally had to say, Grandpa, you're on the wrong side of the road. Get over there. So like most old people, remember the old people, they, they, the steering wheels were like this big. Right? So he just had to get, he had to like, just like, you know, he's one of those guys. And finally he got on the right side of the road. I'm like, Lord, if you'll just get me home in one piece, I'll serve you. I'll, I'll, I'll become a pastor. Like, just say whatever. I've read about you and, and and your word and you could do miracles. Just get me home. Lord, just get me home. And, and it was one of those things where when it comes to the, to the Hebrew people, God's people who were called by him, all of a sudden they're going, and their lifestyle was going the wrong way, and so God comes through his prophet Zephaniah, <coughs> one of the minor prophets, and he, he kind of raises his voice, kind of like a parent sometimes. This is like what I used to do with my kids if they were going in the street. I'm like, I'm you know, kind of start kind of like, hey, let's, let's come back. Hey, hey, especially if you see a car coming. Get back in the yard. Is this like my kids? If this was the curb, they would just want to go there, right? And then they just want to go a little, f- a little farther, there, then a little farther, and like, get back over here. And, and that's pretty much what he does in Zephaniah. Look at Zephaniah chapter 1, ver- verses 2 through 4. It says, <coughs> I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord. I will sweep away people and animals alike. I will sweep away the birds of the sky and the fish in the sea. I will reduce the wicked to heaps of rubble. I will wipe. Humanity from the face of this earth, says the Lord, I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist and destroy every last trace of Baal worship. I will put an end to all idolatrous priests, so that even the memory of them will disappear. So he's got, this is some of the most fierce <coughs> language that you'll find in all all the minor prophets and most of the New Test- Old Testament, where God is really cares so much about his people that he's willing to disagree with them. He's willing to say, guys, I've been warning you. I've been sending other prophets who've been telling you my word, and you continually just are ignoring me. And, I, and, and so he, he's turning up the heat with them, and he brings us a forceful word to them to hopefully wake them up. And so what we're going to see is that there is this gradual slide that the people of God were going through. And so spiritual slide be, begins when idols replace God. The first point I want to say is spiritual slide begins when idols replace God. And look at at verses 4 through 5. It says, I will crush Judah and Jerusalem with my fist and destroy every last trace of their Baal worship. (coughs) I'll put an end to all idolatrous priests so that even the memory of them will disappear. For they go up to their roofs and bow down to the sun, moon, and stars. They claim to follow the Lord, but they worship Molech too. So back in this day... There were two other main religions, other idols of this day. One of them we see <coughs> in, in verse 4, we see the, 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 the word, the name Baal, B-A-A-L. This is the, this is the God, if you remember, of Elijah who challenged the God of Baal when he had this, this is the God, and this was really prevalent. And the God of Baal essentially, back then, with, with their religion, is similar to what you might see today. <coughs> of the, what they said is, if you, if you want the gods to be on your side and for your life to go well, then here's what you need to do, and here's what you shouldn't do, and here's your checklist. And, and if you mess up, here's what you need to sacrifice, or here's what you need to do to make up for it. Or, but if you catch this god on the wrong day, or especially with the Greek gods, if, you, if, if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or you weren't worthy, things would not go well for you. So the, the idol of Baal back in that day, was the 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 god of fertility and so what they would say is in order for you to if you want kids which which a lot of them back then and and even today still still want we want kids well then you need to what they would say is you need to uh, participate in uh, all sorts of sexual promiscuity if you do if you do this they'd have they'd have temples they'd have all these different things where they would they would encourage people yeah this is what you need to do to worship (laughs) the god of baal (coughs) And God's word was against this because, first of all, there's only one God. That's what the Bible teaches again. There's only one God. And secondly, to participate in worshiping the God of the, the false idol of, of Baal is to, to the detriment of marriage. Think about it with marriage is. The, 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 the way that God has designed sex is, f- is between a man and a woman in, in the context of a marriage. That's where people thrive. Families thrive, a, a, and you see this in all sorts of different um, research, Families thrive when, the, when the, the, the best gift that we can give to our kids is to love our spouse. <laughs> More than loving them is to love our spouse, to honor our spouse, to, to, to be with them, to have their backs. And so what we see here is that this was undermining the flourishing of humanity. And so when you see with God's word, whenever it says not to do something, God's word has always been what is going to make Humanity thrive. What's going to allow humanity to thrive, families to thrive, individuals to really flourish? And you look at God's law. That's what it was all about. That's what it still is all about. Is what allows us to thrive. His commandments are good. <laughs> His commandments bring health. It brings life to us. And and so many times we have this this attitude like, who do you think you are, God? And He's like, I think I'm God. <laughs> And so many times we think we're the fourth person of the triune God. he's like, hey, uh, so every now and then I need to be reminded, like, I'm God. And you're not. So just relax. I'm on the throne. <laughs> God's on the throne. And so many times I have to r- remind myself, wait, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. The second, go- the second idol that we see in verse 5 is that they worship Moloch. Now, this was the God. This was the, the, for the Ammonites. So Baal was, was a God for the Canaanites. If you read the Old Testament, that's, that's who were in the, the people who were in the promised land who, when God brought Joshua, he, he, it was the land of Canaan, the, Canaan, the Canaanites. This, this God of Moloch was the God of the Ammonites. And this was the chief God for the Ammonite people. <coughs> and this God was the way that you would, you would appease this God is you would offer up one of your kids to die by walking through the fire. The they'd get this blazing fire going. And then to appease this God, this God of Moloch, um, th- they, they would say, if you want to be on His good side, you want life to go well. You would need to sacrifice one of your kids, and they would do it by being burned alive. And the Hebrew people, God's people, were participating in this. And again, you look at God's word. God's word, again, wants human flourishing, right? Well, when you have God's word has always been part of human flourishing is protecting innocent blood. as, as you look at throughout church history, throughout. Throughout God's word you look at it. It's always been to protect the rights and the life of everyone That's why you see that's why one of the roles of government is to protect the life of people That's why you have police, right? That's why you have the FBI the the role the ideal situation is to where they are protecting people and and giving strict um, um, laws to if you harm someone else on purpose, especially if it's premeditated and end their life that's one of the stiffest penalties you're gonna have. Or if you if, if you assault somebody, in any kind of assault, um, the law the law of God is meant to, to punish to and what is it for though? To protect the lives, to protect the innocent, to protect the vulnerable, to pr- to protect the weak. And so God's word is always about when we worship Him and follow His word. It's always about what allows people to flourish. And with the God, the f- the fake God of Baal, the fake God of Molech, all this religion, which is like, uh, okay, I need to I need to just do the checklist. And all of us fall into this more than we 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 we, we might. Beyond be to. I follow this checklist, okay, God. Now I've deserved a brownie, right? I've done all these good works, God. And then what happens sometimes to, to us is we, we freak out when life doesn't go right and we don't realize the God of the Bible is no, you can't do enough to make me bless you. <laughs> We're, 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 we have this sin problem and this, this selfishness and none of us, even our good works, sometimes the g- God says, even our good works, not sometimes, even our good works to him are like filthy rags. Why? Because sometimes we do things for God and we want a kickback, right? Sometimes these ideas of a gift, they're not really a gift, they're gifts with strings attached. Guys, I got, I got news for you, that's not a gift. <laughs> you ever had a gift with the strings attached, right? That's not a gift. That's a noose, <laughs> right? That's a, that's a thing of, oh, no, uh, now, I have to, now I have to do this. And so we see here, some of you might be thinking, well, is this a good thing that we don't have idols today? Is this a good thing we don't? And I really don't want you to walk out of here with that because then I wouldn't be teaching you that well. You see, there are there are still idols today that all of us battle with. Um, one of the things I've noticed while living here, and even in myself, is, is the idol of kids. And what, what an idol is, is when a good thing becomes a God thing, that's a bad thing. That's what Mark Driscoll said. When a good thing becomes a God thing, that's a bad thing. And children are a gift from God, the Bible says. But sometimes when our children are our idol, our God, what that means is our level of happiness, our level of peace, our level of joy is based on how our kids are performing. There's someone who said you can only be as happy as your least performing child. <laughs> isn't that just a? Isn't that just what make you want to get up and have more coffee and come back here? Aren't you glad <laughs> I came here? You're like, wow, you're just a downpour of rain, right? <coughs> but some people, if our children are our idol, we we are. Th- that's what some people. That's what their lives are. Their their lives are only as good as how good well their kids are doing. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for and yearn for our kids to do well, but I'm saying if we base our level of peace and joy and happiness based on how our kids perform, I have news for you. Now, some of you are old enough, you know this, but I have news for young people, you're going to be really disappointed because they're not Jesus. (laughs) They're not perfect. They're not consistent. They're like us. They're flawed. But one day, here's when I see this. (coughs) I was watching my son's friend was in a football game. It was a championship game. And one of, the hardest, one of the hardest plays to call is a pass interference, especially at the end of the game. And that's when if, you, if the, the, res- the quarterback throws the ball and, and someone hits the receiver too early, that, that's a pass interference. And as you get to the end of the game, you notice this, is a referee is not going to call a foul unless someone pulls out a knife and shanks somebody. Otherwise, they're usually not calling a foul, okay? They're not calling a penalty. And this game came to the end, the last play, it was a controversial no call and the guy caught it for a touchdown they win and it was this is for like the state like um, under 13 13 year old it was like for the state for their division so there was a, there was a lot on the line and the other cr- the other team the other they just freaked out and at the end of the game th- this coach came out and he he just took his his headset off just slammed it, and he ran on the field to the ref, and I'm like, oh, there's going to be a fight. And this, again, this is my sinful side. I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be great. I thought, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I thought, it was the old, the old man, the old sinful nature. I'm all, oh, this is great. I get to see a game and a fight. Laughter then I see some of these parents from the team that lost coming, and, and like they're, I'm like, oh, it's going someone's gonna get jumped. Um, or it, this might be like a like a, a battle royal. Like this is WWF growing up. You know, I loved Hulk Hogan, I loved Ric Flair, I loved all these guys. I'm all, now again. I, I this is I, this is being honest with you. But like and then I'm like, wait, I'm a Christian. I, that's right. Um, this is not good. Um, I might have to go break it up. And. <sighs> And if you know anything, if you break up a fight, sometimes you can get as beat up as the people who were fighting. So then I'm thinking, well, God, I don't have Aflac anymore. Do you want me to go in there and (laughs) risk? I don't have that duck in my back pocket anymore. So I, you know, and (coughs) all of a sudden, and again, this guy's coming. These other parents are coming. And I see two police rush on. The the police are always there for for the youth, these youth games. And I have news for you. They're not there for the kids. (laughs) They're there for parents. And these two cops just sprint, tackle this coach, cuff him, (laughs) and take him away to be arrested. Now some of you might be thinking, well, he was just born on the wrong side of Price. You know how it is on the certain side of price. You know, he he came from a really, this coach, he came from a really rough area. You know, he wasn't from, you know, the avenues. Like, you know, he wasn't from West Price. He, you know, he, somebody might, you know, you know, psychology might say, well, you know, just look at the extenuating circumstances. There's surely an explanation for that. But the Bible would say it's most likely an idol. (laughs) Winning a ball game was that person's God. And I see this with, my daughter dances, and my other son is into soccer, and I see this with parents. They, they, sometimes we can see our kids as our trophies, right? We, sometimes we can live vicariously through our kids, and it's something that, we, we, that God's just like, if you do that, you're going to wreck your life. And sometimes in our relationship with our kids, they can, our kids are more perceptive than, than we realize, right? You learn that in about a, a day, right? You learn that really quick our kids are more perceptive when they see us putting this huge amount of pressure on them to perform for us sometimes our kids they rebel they rebel because of that and they're not even aware of it if they sense that we are living vicariously through them if they're an idol it 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 ruins relationships and god wants our again he wants relationships to thrive he wants humanity to thrive and the way that we thrive is where we have healthy relationships we're loving each other and caring for one another. So, so there still is idolatry, and that's just one of them. And, and so we, we're going to see that spiritual slide advances when we live like spiritual atheists. Look at verse 6 in chapter 1. Spiritual slide advances when we live like spiritual atheists. And I will destroy those who used to worship me but no longer do. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance or seek his blessings. Now some of you might be thinking, what, what is a spiritual atheist? That doesn't make sense. <coughs> a spiritual atheist is someone who used to follow God, used to call it to God, and no longer does. A spiritual atheist is, is someone who compartmentalizes their lives. They say, okay, over here is my Sunday morning self, but over here is my work, and, you know, how I act at work is how I, how I want to act. I act the way I want to. And here's my family, and, and again, I decide, we decide how we live, what we do, when we do, and then we have our side of here's my party side maybe here's my money side and my money side that's my money and and we can have that attitude and and we can s- and we, we all have all these different things where he's like no i'll i'll, I'll give him my sunday mornings or i'll give him maybe an- another day but when it comes to certain things i make those decisions i'm i i'm god that's essentially what a spiritual atheist is is where we kind of make our own our own god we we go to the bible so so what what some people say is they call it expressive individualism. That that that's what the, 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 the thought of today is is like we go to the Bible and we're like, you know, we see it as a menu and we're like, you know, I'll take the love of God, I'll take the grace of God, I like that. I'll take that and I'll just take that to go. <laughs> Can you biggie size it too? Right? I want the God who notices other people's sins but not my sin. I want the God who blesses me, but who I don't have to give back to. I get to keep everything He blesses me with. I want the God who lets me do whatever I want to. let me lets me do if I want to drink, if I want to do these things and, 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 and drink to the point where of intoxication, or if I wanna if I wanna do whatever, I this is my choice. I came to Christ. I was the first one in my family to come to Christ and <coughs> I I I um had, had I still have my share of issues. It only takes two seconds to find that out. But I remember I was in high, I, I came to faith in Christ when I was about 10, and I, I was growing and growing, and then I just got caught up in the world when I was in junior high, high school. And, but I, I, and I, w- I was falling away from God, and I was getting into drinking, I was getting into smoking weed, and somebody thinking, oh, smoked weed, don't worry, it was organic, it was totally natural. <laughs> It's totally natural. I'm just kidding. I couldn't afford that. I can't even afford organic bananas, for crying out (laughs) loud. (coughs) So I'm like, is he serious? No, I'm not serious. I'm I'm too old for that. But I remember I I would be with my friends, (coughs) and I would be doing this, and they'd be totally enjoying themselves, and I would be acting like I was enjoying myself. But deep down inside of me, I was like, I couldn't enjoy it. I'm like, God, why can't I enjoy this sin the way my friends who don't know Jesus do? You ever notice that? And what a terrible prayer, but it's honest. I'm like, why can't I? And I I had a terrible mouth, but I'd feel convicted because something in me changed, right? Something in me was like, you were not meant to live like this. I have something better for you. You're not meant to be someone who's intoxicated all the time, someone who's being controlled by, by a substance outside of you where you do even dumber things than you already do without it. I don't need help to sin, I already struggle with it enough. Some of you're like laughing too hard. I'm like easy over there, guys. This side's way nicer. You're like, we think you're a Christian, Sean. I appreciate. It. No, uh, you're with me. <clears throat> but I just remember thinking, I can't enjoy it. I couldn't enjoy it. We, we, we when, when, that's what God changes us from the inside out. When He saves us, He puts, He deposits in our soul. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and it, it's just like when I moved out here and. My, my in-laws, they, they're, they're from em- Emory County. Is that a good pronunciation, Jess? Emory? Emory Spartans, right? <laughs> Is that pretty good? <laughs> Emory Spartans. So sorry, thank you for not, for not throwing eggs at my face. Um, but my, uh, my in-laws, all uh, it's like in order to live in Emory County, you've got to have like a diesel. Otherwise, they kick you out, I think. I, I'd, I'd never seen that in a law, but that's how I felt like. And I remember I was helping out my father-in-law, and, and, um, and I was driving a diesel. And I, in California, I'm from California, I'm like, aren't these outlawed? <laughs> <laughs> this is so terrible. If you're, you're killing trees. Anyways, um, maybe we have solar diesel. But anyways, I remember them telling me, Sean, this is a diesel. When you fill it up, do not put unleaded in it. And I, m- I remember thinking, okay, okay. And I remember thinking, I was at the gas station, like, okay, I'm pretty sure D I E okay, diesel. And I remember thinking, I, I took the, the thing out, and I'm like, okay, this, this hose goes right to there. Okay, because why? B- what, what happened if I put unleaded gas into a diesel truck? It's not gonna run, right? Why? Because it wasn't made to run on that, <laughs> right? And just like when you come to Christ and he changes you from the inside out, you can't run on the world. <laughs> You'll n- the most miserable people in this world are Christians trying to live like the rest of the world. It's just like when God and Jesus said, you cannot serve me and money. You cannot serve both. It's just like when he says in 1 John, you you cannot have the love of God in you, and you cannot love this world. You cannot love the things of this world because it's going to drag you away from God. It's going to ruin your life. It's going to ruin relationships, everything that matters to you. And God's like, I care about you too much. to let you enjoy sin the way the rest of the world does. Now, some of you, you might be here, and you'd never trusted Jesus, but you know deep down there's something missing. There is something missing. There's, some, there's a longing for something more, and what we, we want to tell you here is Jesus is that something more. He's the someone more. He's the great God who saves us and frees us from those things that, that are destroying our lives. And so, in high school, I just remember God, like, if you'll just come to me and live with me, I'll show you what happiness is all about. And I'll set you, I've set you free from all these things. I didn't die on the cross for you to live like the rest of the world. I died on the cross and gave you my spirit and saved you and cleaned you up to live like me. <laughs> to enjoy happiness, to enjoy peace that's based on him. So don't be a spiritual atheist like I was. All right? So we also see that spirit and spiritual slide destroys... When we think there are no consequences, Zephaniah 1.12. Do we have that? It says, I will search with lanterns in Jerusalem's darkest corners to punish those who sit complacent in their sins. They think the Lord will do nothing to them, either good or bad. Friends, it's really easy to think, God doesn't care. God doesn't care how I live, or God doesn't know. You see, you can hide a lot of things from your friends. You could, th- you could hide a lot of things from your spouse, from the kids, we could hide a lot of things. We could play, we can play the role. But the thing with God is that he, he really, you ever heard someone ask you, or you ever ask, think, you think you're a know-it-all? What do you think, you're a know-it-all? Think you're a, wi- if you're Italian, think you're a wise guy, eh? Right, right? You think you're a know-it-all? Well, God, is, he'd say, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I am a know-it-all. And the, the, the fancy pastoral word that we use so we sound like doctors is like, if the word is omniscience. It means science is knowledge, and omni means all. And it's all-knowing. He is the all-knowing God. He knows your thoughts. He knows everything we've ever done, everything we've ever said. And, and, and that really trips me out, especially when I'm on the golf course and I'm a terrible golfer, and I'm like, oh, he, he, he knows that thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's, that's disconcerting, if you ask me. But, but he knows everything. And, and, and it's just really, it's really easy, guys, to get into, to get lulled into this thought of God doesn't care about how I live, or there's no consequences, because there are consequences. So many times we could think about, we could rationalize our sin and saying, well, it's not hurting anyone. Well, all types of sin, every form of sin is what, what Paul Tripp says, it's antisocial. Whether we're greedy, whether we're, we, we struggle with our anger, I've never met a couple who's been married longer than two years who said, you know, who are really happily married and let's just say, 20 years. And like, you know, our secret to a great marriage is we both have a terrible anger and we let it loose. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard someone say that to me. I've never heard someone say, hey, I've never met someone who's really full of joy and say, you know what my secret is? I am so greedy. I just, I just, whatever I get, I hoard i just keep it for myself i've never met i've never met a happy greedy person you know people who i've met that are really happy or who are happily married is they've got to by the power of the holy spirit they've controlled their anger (laughs) they know how to be kind to each other they know how to disagree they know how to fight in a way that they're expressing themselves but where they're in control be angry but do not sin they're able to communicate in a kind way and there's been research that shows if we will just in marriage by the U of U, it, it did research, and it said, people, marriages that thrive, a lot of them, what they have in common is they're just kind to each other. <laughs> when they disagree, they just say, they, they do it with kindness. And if you'll just express yourself to one another with kindness, that just gets you away. But you know what? We have to get rid of our temper. <laughs> we have to get rid of our, our self-righteousness, and God offers a way for that to happen. <coughs> um, and so finally, we see in verse 13, uh, uh, and closing up, here, here's my final point. No matter how far we slide, God provides a way of escape. No matter how far we slide, if you turn in your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, no matter how far we slide, God provides a way of escape. And this is one of my more favorite verses in all of Zephaniah. <coughs> it says, For at that time I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve the next slide. Him with one accord. I will purify the lips of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him, But my version says, serve him shoulder to shoulder. So what God was doing back in the day of Zephaniah is he was turning up the heat in their lives. He was confronting them. He was raising his voice in, in, a, in a very kind way. He, was, he didn't lose his temper, but one of those times where sometimes as a, as a parent, you have to be firm you have to be might have to raise your voice might have to to try to do anything to get their attention but he's saying here that when he's what he's doing here is he was also turning up the heat he he was making their life he was allowing them to experience what selfishness does and he was allowing the the misery to really ratchet up more and more and more and more but the purpose look at the purpose of it go go back to the beginning the other slide But look, look, look what he's doing. He's bringing purity. See, God's fire, God's anger with his people is not, w- is not just to destroy us. It's not just to make an example out of us. But when you come to Christ, what that does is it, it's a purifying fire. And if you know anything about gold or if you know anything about metal, you'll know that you have to turn the heat up right, to purify the metals. Are if you're talking about steel and, and, and the formation of steel, you can't make steel without, which is some of the most strongest metal we have, you can't make that without a huge amount of heat, right? And, and what God does to forge us together to make us stronger and to purify us is he sometimes he turns up the heat, but it's not in wrath. If you're in Jesus and you, sh- and, and you cry out to Jesus and you trust Jesus, what happens is it, it's to make us a, a more holy person. It's to make us more like Jesus. It's not just to cast us away and judge us. That, that, that That's what happened. When we, if we reject Jesus, that's what's going to happen. Ultimately, His judgment does come down upon us. But He's looking to purify our lives. And I, this this made me think of, in my life, at the, the church I was at up in Sa- at the Salt Lake area in Draper, we had just, um, I, I was a pastor, and what happened was, one of my, wha- what happened for me was one of my idols was my career. It was, it was, it was my, 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 my career life. The church became an idol for me. I didn't even realize it. And here's what, what can happen, what, what makes us really, wha- what makes life really hard is we're not, a- we're not aware, as aware of our idols as other people are. <laughs> you ever notice that? This is why marriage can be really tough. We are more perceptive of what, what's wrong with other people than we are ourselves. Have you noticed this? If you haven't, then you're not married yet. And just give yourself time, right? Um, no <laughs> or you haven't been in the family. You haven't had siblings. But that's part of why relationships can break down and marriages can break down is because I can be so much more aware of my wife's deficiencies than I am of myself. And I can be so much more unaware on a spiritual side of my own idols. Other people can see it, but I couldn't see it. And so one of my regrets is when I had that career, I was just wanting the church to do well. But part of it was I wanted to, to kind of show people that I was somebody, that I, wasn't, that, I would that, that I had arrived. And I remember I'd be with my kids, and I was there, but I wasn't there. Um, my mind was other places. You guys ever see this as parents of, like, you're, you're, or I- you're there, but you're mind. And I was just trying to think about how can I grow this church? How ca- what about this person? What about that? I, I didn't learn the wisdom of, like, I didn't realize that it b- is becoming one of my idols. And so God, in his love and his grace, turned up the heat on me. And I felt like he was against me because in the span of three years, we had a fire in the church, and it didn't burn down the church. But if you know anything about fires, smoke gets everywhere. Smoke, and it it destroys the smell, the stench. It can ruin a lot of things. It's kind of like water. Water can find crevices that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) We, We had we had two floods, and and so in three years we had a fire, we had two floods, and then what topped it? And and again, I just wasn't aware, and I was just stressed out, like, God, I'm trying to expand your kingdom, and we want to reach people and help build disciples. We want to let people know how great you are. We want to lift Jesus. We want to lift you high. And, um, I remember it coming to a place where um, uh, we, after that, we had kids that jumped up on our roof. And, uh one of them that there was a faulty installation of a sign of an electric sign and what happened is if you know anything about electricity it travels wherever metal is right so what happened is is y- th- these students trespassed up on our on our roof to get over it there was this there was a ladder that went up the side of the building and it went over and then it went down into a to a um this the the roof well on this was a metal cap if you notice most commercial buildings there's a metal cap on top of a cinder block wall The metal cap was was the electricity was was flowing to this metal cap at night when the night when a a light came on and the kid fell on it and if you know anything about electricity sometimes it can throw you sometimes it can it can pull i I don't understand electricity but i i I know enough about what happened and and then the kid got off the the metal he was with his two other cousins and 10 or 11 days later the kid died and they p- the family, people, friends of the family were telling people we did it on purpose as a church. And then the next week, the next week, the family filed a lawsuit against the church, and they wanted $3 million. And it was all over KSL News. It was, I remember they came and, and I, some, some news, it, it was all over the, the internet, and this is before the internet was even as big as it is now. I remember thinking I was just one day, um, saw the obituary of this young man who died, was 15 and a half years old. I just cried. This was so terribly sad. And I don't think God caused this to happen. I do think God allows things to happen, but it doesn't cause, it doesn't cause evil to flourish. I don't think, um, I, well, I know and looking at, at God's word. But there are times where God allows things to happen to us to get my attention, to get your attention. And I remember thinking God just speaking to me, The church matters too much to you, Sean. Your image matters too much. Your career has become a God. And you can't, we can't worship God if we have idols in our hearts. I wanted both. I didn't even realize it was there. And so I still have, you know, John Calvin says the heart is a a manufacturer of idols. I'm not out of the woods yet. We all have our weaknesses. This side of heaven, we're all gonna have this. But God in his goodness show that to me clean me up and allow me to replace him in place of that idol. And I was talking to David here. Um, Am I allowed to call you David? Is it Dave? Mr. Kobe. I should call you Mr. Kobe. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I should call you. But um, I remember he was telling me even now and talking to him, I seem a little more relaxed. Well, part of it is when you get idols out of your life, (laughs) you're allowed to be at peace. You stop worrying about what people say about you and you start worrying about what does God say about me? For some for some of us, guys, your life would become so much better if you started believing what God says about you rather than what your in-laws, what your mom and dad, what other people, your teachers have said about you, what your psychiatrist is. If we just would disbelieve, you know what? God says if I'm in Christ, God says really good things about me. <laughs> God speaks about a love over me that that is immeasurable and, and, and never stops. God never wakes up on the side of, uh, the wrong side of the bed. He is consistently good and when we pl- when we replace idols with Jesus he he never disappoints. <laughs> he never leaves us. People will come and go in our lives, but Jesus will never leave us, never forsake us He 's always with us He always forgives us. So I don't want you to, to know friends if you're here and you're like i've never trusted jesus but i have an emptiness in my life i'm doing all this stuff and it's all about me and and there's this p- this persistent voice of that there's something more you're made for something more well you are you're made for someone more and that's someone's jesus and and you see the bible says in romans this is one of my favorite verses romans 5 6 through 8 it says for at that time oh wait do you have that verse do you have that verse romans sorry She fell asleep back there. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. She didn't fall. Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Next. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one will dare even die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8, guys, if you've never memorized a verse, you're a baby Christian, guys, it's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible while we were still sinners, while we had turned our backs on God, rebelled against God, what did Christ do for us? There's no greater love that someone can ever show us to lay down his life, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to give us the Holy Spirit, to walk in freedom and to worship him. If you're a Christian and you've trusted Jesus, but maybe you've kind of got off track the way God's people did with Zephaniah, May we hear his voice of like that he said to me and he continues to say to me, make me the centerpiece of your life. (laughs) Replace idols with Jesus. Jesus is always greater than idols. And Jesus will never leave you. He'll never let you down. He will fill you up so you're not thinking—you you. won't be lacking anymore. You won't be, you won't be thinking, there's got to be something more. There's got to be someone better. There's no one better than Jesus. There's no one who will love you and be for you and protect you and provide for you and cleanse you and forgive you and build you up into a strong person that God wants you to be than Jesus. And that's just the good news that God gave the people of Zephaniah, and it's the same good news for us thousands of years later of God's Word still speaking— and and pointing us to Jesus to to save and to rescue us. Will you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for your love, your patience, your goodness, your forgiveness. And God, if there's anyone here, God, that has never trusted you, has never said, you know what? I want to follow you. I want to. I want you to forgive me. I want you to build me up. I want you to. I'm dying inside. I'm. I've, I've been. Searching after my own goals and my own ambitions, and and running from you, God. And if you'll cry out to God, and ask him to forgive you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, He'll forgive you. He'll make you a new person. He'll give you His Holy Spirit. He'll He'll come into your life and change you from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus, so much that you you still are in the business of rescuing us. And God, for those of us who've already done that, God, I just pray that we would just have a holy moment with you and say. God, I'm so sorry I've replaced you with idols. And we'll just say, God, here and here it is. I confess it. I give it to you. Forgive me and become the centerpiece of my life again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said.